0: Hey friends thanks for joining us on the changed movement podcast for more resources visit changedmovement.com or follow us on instagram let's get started
1: well today we are with um, our our friend daniel mingo who is in kentucky and um, daniel i'd love it if you could just start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your background and and what you do
0: okay well uh, currently i'm the founder and uh, ministry director of a ministry based in Louisville, Kentucky called ABBA's Delight. It's a ministry to born-again Christians who are troubled by unwanted same-gender attractions, gender dysphoria. And we also, um, we also work with uh, uh, parents and family members who have a loved one who's gay identified. Uh, We work with spouses too. We have a support group for them. We call it family and friends. And uh, been doing ministry since 2003. I started Abbas Delight in 2008, but for a half years before that, I was the uh, branch director of an exodus ministry mm-hmm. that was uh, based in Lexington, Kentucky, so uh, that's that's what I'm currently doing. Um, I'll get to the other currently stuff that's been added to that, I guess, a little bit later.
1: Sure. What, um, what's your history with LGBT?
0: Well, uh I grew up in a Christian family, uh, went to church every Sunday, and but I was in a denomination that really didn't talk about a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, so I had the basic foundation of what Christianity looked like in my life, um, but I had but I had uh, never had the opportunity for a personal relationship until I got born again at age 17. Uh, prior to that, though. Uh, I was molested by a man I didn't know um, at the age of 13. Um, I was the kind of classic um, artistic, creative, sensitive boy um, trying to live in a world and a family um, with uh, rough and tumble kids. And uh, I, just, I just didn't fit in that way. Um, I, I didn't have a really good relationship with my dad uh, that changed later on as I grew up, but um, uh, not feeling accepted by him, not feeling accepted by my own gender, uh, and then having been molested, those were major contributing things going on in my life. Yeah. When puberty hit and everything gets sexualized at puberty, um, my attractions became sexualized. And so... Um, uh, I lived a secret life in homosexuality for nearly 30 years. Wow. Uh, I got born again as a senior in high school, and it was part of two things that were going on. There was a revival that had started at Asbury College and Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky, yeah. in, in, the, in the early spring of 70. And uh, I was a direct convert uh, if you will, from, from that movement. But I saw that as, as a um, part of the bigger Jesus movement that was going on at the same time. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I became a, a Jesus freak hippie and, uh, hard to imagine, huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Not so much. Uh, you know, I, I know so many leaders. Um, I, I would say the majority of the leaders around me were, uh, Swept into into the Jesus People movement and and rescued.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, well there are there are a lot of us still out there. And, uh, so, but I also I also had a sense all along that I was supposed to get married and have kids. Um, but at um, at the age of 18, I started actively looking for my wife. Uh, The Lord didn't bring her until I was 30, and we met, we, she lived here in Louisville and I lived in Lexington, so we were seeing each other translocally. Of course, back in the early 80s, there were no cell phones, uh, still had dial-up, and uh, long distance charges were, you know, pretty high. And so um, we, our primary communication was writing letters, and we would visit each other on weekends, uh, you know every other weekend or so but uh, the Lord spoke fairly early to both of us that that we were supposed to be married and uh, 13 months later uh, we got married uh, November 5th 1983 so it'll be 37 years this November
1: Wow congratulations but I
0: was a coward thank you uh, <laughs> I'm a coward I, I didn't I didn't tell my wife about my same-sex attractions then. Um, I had told pastors before, and I was still secretly hooking up. That was part of that thirty-year period that I that I did that, and nobody knew how to help. Um, actually, there was a an Exodus member ministry in Lexington, and I had heard about it in the in the late '80s after I'd been married for several years. Um, but I was I was too afraid. I was too fearful uh, about telling my wife then. Uh, I had told pastors before. I remember the first pastor I told, he said, well, you know that's a sin, cut it out. And, and that was the extent of his wisdom for helping somebody with dealing with homosexuality. And as well-meaning as he was, and as great a guy as he was, um, it, it just fell short. And, and I didn't know how to help myself out of it. I realized that, for me, it had become an addiction. Um, being up with guys was an addiction for me and and so i just I just lived this double life with this conflict going on in me um, and and that 's really hard for a spirit baptized christian um, it was for at least for me, it was really hard. Uh,
1: well, <laughs> I don't know how I, I think I've talked to plenty of people who um who have been in that place of just really a divided conscience. And it's it's um it's very, very painful.
0: Yes, yes, and very difficult. And I hated I hated the fact that I was keeping that secret from my wife, but the fear uh so much overrode anything else that I thought was was a positive thing could come out of of telling her. Uh, it wasn't until we moved to Louisville in in ninety. I took a different job, um, and uh, I, I was still acting out. But it was three years later. Um, part of my ritual was I would act out on a business trip. I would cry out to the Lord on the drive home, um, asking him to forgive me, and I would repent all over again, and I could how it was hurting me and hurting my family, and part of my ritual too was I would be okay for the first couple of days when I got home, but then I'd, I'd go into this rage and, and, and take out my anger on, on my wife and my three sons. It was, it was a horrible way to live, and finally on this one trip home, the Holy Spirit broke through when I was crying out to him yet again, and he said, Daniel, it's time to tell Fran. And as much as it scared me to do that, I knew that was the Lord. Yeah. Elizabeth, there was never a time in, in any of my born-again experience and, and dealing with this conflict, there was never a time when I wanted to walk away from the Lord. There was never a time when I thought, I just need to go embrace a gay life. That was never in me. It's always been in my heart since I got born again to follow the Lord and to... And to embrace everything I knew and everything I was learning with everything that was in me, yet I had this thing I couldn't shake. I remember my wife one time said, after, after I eventually did tell she said, she described it as, I had this thing that had leached itself onto me and we just needed to figure out a way how we were going to get it off of me. And that was, a, to me, that's an amazing analogy. And I so
1: feel, oh, um, I, you know I, there is so much power in confession because that shame um, that you're talking about it just controls you it controls your life.
0: Yes, absolutely and it did me for years and years and years mm-hmm. um, it it was it was so terrible uh, living a life. And when I finally did share with her, I felt so free. Yeah. I, I felt so free. And, you know, this isn't the kind of thing that once you hear that kind of word from the Lord, you just run home and say, hey, honey, guess what? <laughs> I The first thing I did was I went to my pastor, and this was a different pastor than the one that told me, you know, mm-hmm. cut it out. It's a sin. And, and he had had some some connections with the local Exodus ministry in Kentucky at the time. So he had some wisdom about these things. So the first thing we did was we set out to pray, just him and me. No, I need to correct that for the grammar Nazis. Just he and I. He and I set out to pray together. And the first thing we prayed for was to make sure that the Lord really was saying This is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. And then once we came back together a couple of weeks later, we both decided, yes, this is what needs to happen. And I was ready to do it, and I was willing to do it, because I knew it was the Lord. But then we went back, and and the two of us prayed for three specific things. We prayed that, most importantly, that the Lord would prepare Fran's heart to hear what I was going to share with her, that I would know the right time, and have the right words. And I think the main difference from other stories that I've heard, two things really, one was that I never got caught doing anything. And a lot of times when a husband gets caught, rather than volunteering the information, there's so much more misery and pain that goes yeah, there's
1: on. A, so much humiliation that adds fuel to the fire
0: yes and and not just not just for the one confessing but human for the spouse as well
1: yeah
0: and and then the other thing um i just forgot um oh. the other oh the other thing that was different was that we took the time to pray before just jumping into it mm-hmm. i think so I think good all the difference for us um, so, we set aside the time, I got a babysitter for the kids, we, we went to dinner, and I just shared with her um, everything about my life that she didn't know, um, and some things began to click right away for her. Um, I remember the very first words out of her mouth were, oh, well, that explains a lot.
1: <laughs> wow. She must be really, really amazing. She I mean, is <laughs> perfect for you, right? I mean, it's so. When the Lord puts us with someone, they are precisely the right one.
0: And is and and we knew that from the very beginning. We we both knew that we were that the Lord had brought us together,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, so. Uh, There were some, she was very supportive, very accepting. Um, She was able to put some pieces together on her own. But then a few days later, as things began to settle, this was in 1990, um, I'm sorry, 1993. So it's been 27 years. um, As things began to settle, she began to realize some things. Okay, has Daniel brought home a disease? do the Mm -hmm. need to get tested? Because AIDS was still a very scary thing.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and I I don't remember the chronology a lot about that, but it seems like at that time still, they really weren't convinced what was causing AIDS maybe not a hundred percent. So um, there, we, we had to, we had to look at those things um, wow. and, and figure some yeah. things out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I also realized right from the start, I needed to uh, rebuild her trust, regain her trust.
1: Yeah.
0: So I, I set out to do that. Um, I would do things like if I were leaving work, I'd call her before I left the office. Hi, honey, I'm on my way home. I'll be there in 15 minutes. Uh, if I were going to stop at the store, I'd say, I'm going to stop at Kroger and get some whatever, or I'm going to stop and get gas. And I would, I would always bring a receipt home to show her that I was doing exactly what I said I was doing. Wow. And, so, and so over the years, um, I, was, I was rebuilding her tr- and regaining her trust.
1: What, were the, what did you do then directly after really confessing? What was your process of healing?
0: Well, I went into recovery for sexual addiction, um, realized that what I was dealing with was, was more than I could deal with myself. Um, in the first year, I was in a 12-step secular recovery program. And the first step of the 12 is realizing that what I'm into is unmanageable and that I have no control over it. I realized, yeah, that's really me, because I have tried to stop many, many times. I tried to stop, and I got to the point where I just quit telling people. I quit telling pastors, because it just seemed like nobody knew how to help. Yeah. So I went to the secular 12-step program for a year, and the accountability factor of that program was really helpful to me. And, and I could go to several meetings a week, which I did, um, and sometimes twice on any one day, depending on the day. I could go to a meeting twice if I wanted. But I really wanted a, a uh, Christian, biblically-based support group, and I found one within that first year. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went to that faithfully for five years every week. It met on a weekly basis. The last year, the uh, guy who was leading the group was a, was a therapist. He was working on his Ph.D., he asked me to lead the group, so I led the group for the final year that it, that it um, existed. And then that group disappeared. Uh, the same guy called me a few months later and said, our church is starting a group um, for sex addicts, for men. Um, it's not going to be just for guys with same-sex attraction like the other one was. Um, it was going to be for general sexual addiction for guys, and asked if I wanted to be a part of that. And I did. Um, I was one of the original eight members in that. Um, That group just celebrated its 20th anniversary. It's still strong. And and for about seven years, I was a facilitator of one of those groups. So- Can
1: can uh, you, could you share, like what were a couple of the most important insights that you gained in that process?
0: I think one of the most important I think one of the most important things was that nothing that I did was unforgivable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was always there ready to forgive, and no matter how many times I might have a slip or, or sin again, God was always there to meet me and help me up
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the second thing is like unto it <laughs> The second thing is, um, it's not how many times we fall. It's how many times we get up after the fall and keep moving. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, I think it was Jesus, he who endures to the end shall be saved. It's not, it's not, it's more about the journey for me than it is about a particular destination along the way. I,
1: I think that that is such a vital revelation because um, even in my in my own life, the the context, every scenario that I'm in, the Lord has taught me to look at my situation and observe how He's revealing Himself. Yes. So whether it's you know, I mean, in the last couple of years, the Lord has really gone to a lot of trouble <laughs> to put me in in frightening situations to see how He's going to show up, and and so for me, my journey with the Lord has always been about faith and believing, and and and, and He's so. I mean, I I somewhat selfishly say, well, I, I'm in this scenario in this ministry because it's the least likely one according to culture where God will show up. And so um, I, I love that it's the journey and, and it's, it's really about building faith and confidence in God um, yes. and staying close to him. It's not about um, your preconceived notion of what wholeness looks like or being straight or, um, really the sanctification process is so mysterious
0: yes and he is always faithful to show up He, he is ever not shown up yeah.
1: It's so vital we, we just cling to him and it's it's a horrifying thing when we when we lose our connection to the Lord
0: yes yes and 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 we get to serve such a good, good father.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is, um, so, is there anything out of your journey that you could share with the group that you think would really, um, apart from these points, really direct people who are part of our changed group? Words of wisdom?
0: I think keeping secrets is a killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, kept, I kept my secret from my wife for 10 years and, and it, it was destroying me. Yeah. I kept my, my molestation at 13, a secret from my parents. I didn't start talking about that until I was way into adulthood And particularly that, the enemy had a heyday with in my mind. Yeah. So if I could say anything and have any impact on on someone, it would be, if you're still keeping secrets, it is vital to your spiritual health. It's vital even to your physical and emotional health. Find someone you trust and tell that secret. Because I can,
1: oh, go once ahead, sorry. it's out yeah.
0: into the light, the enemy has no power over it.
1: Yeah. Ken often says, you, you can't be loved unconditionally until people know your condition.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. <laughs>
1: So what are you uh, what are you focusing on now in this season because things are boy if ever there were a pressure-filled season this is one and one of the things that i've really admired in you know i really haven't known you very long i've never um, gotten the privilege of spending time with you but i have lots of good friends who are connected to you liz for example and uh-huh. um i i Uh, one of the things that I've really loved to observe is your humble faithfulness to the Lord. Like that process that you described earlier of, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to meet with my pastor. I'm going to pray and we're going to, we're going to kind of hold back and let this unfold according to the Lord's timing. And that is such, um, such a powerful skill of, faithfulness and um so i just i really admire your confidence in the lord your tenderness towards him and and how you model that for other people um but in this pressure-filled season that we're in where you're probably you and your ministry is probably under more scrutiny than ever before and um you're kind of watching the horizon in the same way we are um The cultural war is pretty intense. So what are you experiencing now and what are you focusing on?
0: Um, It's interesting you you mentioned about the scrutiny. Um, There is a young fella, um, probably in his 20s still, maybe 30s, who his parents had come and brought him, and he was willing to be brought as a teenager for help with his same-sex attractions. Um, he has now uh, become an adult. He has put together this uh, documentary um, called Conversion, and it's a documentary exposing conversion therapy um, as as the culture sees it. And um, that was supposed to be that documentary was supposed to be released this spring. I don't know if COVID has messed with that or he's decided to slow it down or what, but the beginning, uh, the trailer for that documentary that he's made um, exposing the whole thing about their conception of what conversion therapy is, um, has uh, this woman sitting at a table um, with her son and they're sitting at a table with a computer a laptop on the table and the what's on the screen is my abba's delight website and what you hear is this woman having dialed this phone number and it's my voice on our on my ministry voicemail saying you have reached abba's delight and so that's the trailer for this documentary called "Conversion," called, called "Conversion."
1: Gosh!
0: Oh, so, we are under a lot of attack, and that's just one example of things that I've I've faced over the years, and and that's probably the most current. Um, so, um, but you know, Paul tells us that the gifts and the callings are irrevocable, and. I have a calling on my life. Um, the most important thing for me, Liz, beyond, um, beyond my salvation experience and caring for my wife and family, the most important thing for me is what Paul described as apprehending everything I was apprehended for. So I, my belief is that every single Christian... Has a destiny specifically picked out by the Lord for that individual. And so each step along the way is part of my destiny that he's called where he's called me to do something or 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 be be part of something or engage in something. So right now my assignment, as it were, is Um, obviously running Abba's Delight, um, that started in, in 2008. So we're, you know, in the middle of our 13th, we've started our 13th year as of April 1st. But also for the last seven years, I've been on the board of directors of Hope for Wholeness. And Hope for Wholeness, with some of the difficulties it has faced, uh, over the last couple of years. um, The Board of Directors voted to dissolve the corporation.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, But the Lord has spoken for me to continue to begin a new ministry network, Mm -hmm. which I'm in the process of doing now. Mm -hmm. So I am consulting with an attorney to set up the 501c3, hopefully looking for a, a reduced fee or bono. And, and the Lord has directed me to such a person. I met with him, uh, what is today, Friday? I met with him uh, yesterday, actually, it was. Um, and Or Wednesday, I met with him Wednesday. Um, and so we're getting that, we're getting that aspect of it started. Um, I'm pulling together a new board of directors. Um, I I sought the Lord about who to approach. Um, I want seven altogether, including myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I have four additional ones, and so far, everyone I have asked that I believe the Lord sent me to has agreed to serve on the board. So, I don't have a degree in anything. Um, I got saved during the Jesus movement. Jesus is coming back any day. Who needs a degree?
1: Right. So, yeah.
0: I never went to school to get a business degree or anything like that. So in doing this now, I'm pretty much following the pattern that I did when I started Abba's Delight. And that's just listening for the Lord's direction. Who do I see about getting this done? Lord, lead me to this, to this situation. For a solution to what I need to have accomplished, so um, I'm, you know, seeing seeing the attorney to get up, get set up on the 501c3, um, coming up with a new name. It's not going to be Hope for Wholeness any longer. Um, it's going to be a different name. Um, we are currently keeping our Facebook groups. We have about seven different Facebook groups connected to Wholeness. Um, and we're going to keep them, and we're keeping the Hope for Wholeness name on them until we're ready to release the new name, and then we're gonna change the name. Because we've built up a very relational uh, group. Uh, There are over a 1,000 people that we've connected to in these several different groups that have looked to Hope for Wholeness and looked to our our annual conferences that we've had. for support and encouragement. Yeah. And because ministries are are not always plentiful in every location where they can get local help, they've relied on, many of these people have relied on the connections and the relational aspects of our Facebook groups to help see them through uh, day life when they're struggling. Yeah. So I want to keep those, those groups intact. Um, and then so we'll we'll be coming up with a logo. We'll be coming up with some with some uh branding and and uh marketing strategy. Um so I have a brother that's helping me with some of that stuff. The 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 woman who uh runs a her own uh uh website design uh business. Uh she's a born-again Christian, lives here in Louisville. She set up my Abba's Delight uh, website. So she's going to be setting up the new network, to web website. And so the Lord's just leading me and providing different people in different situations. Um, but I, I'm finding that, uh, uh, 12 years, 13 years later, um, from when I started Abba's Delight, the cost of things have skyrocketed quite a bit. And so, um, you know we're looking we're looking for the lord to support um what we're doing and and moving on people's hearts um to uh move on them financially um to help support what, what the work that we're doing. doing so we're creating we're creating this this network this brand new thing and and uh believe god's in it and so that's an exciting time
1: that's very awesome so what in the future, you'll be you know, supporting local ministries who want to be connected, wanting to be networked through your organization, and then um, offering teaching, instruction, etc., cetera, for, for individuals who are seeking help, right?
0: We want to be, yes, we want to be a referral um, so that we have ministries connected under our umbrella
1: mm-hmm.
0: station. So that so that if if someone in Kalamazoo, Michigan, doesn't have ministry near them, they can find our website, and look, and click on the, their state name, and see what's available immediately close to them. And and we would like to we would like to have ministries, churches, that will be safe churches and help someone through their overcoming journey. And we would like Christian counselors who will approach homosexuality from a biblical perspective.
1: So good, so good. Wow, important stuff really. Well, so we're coming up on the end probably of what um, our time space needs to be. Is there anything on your heart that that you'd like to say before we kind of close?
0: Well, I just wanna thank you for having me today
1: Yeah, we found it, we thought it would be so important to have you and and to talk a little bit about Hope for Wholeness because people had been hearing about it in the news. We're going to make sure that you were introduced to everybody.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's our pleasure. So would you mind praying over the change movement and the groups that are watching?
0: Sure. Father, I thank you for this opportunity today. Thank you for being able to connect with Elizabeth. Thank you, Father, for your love and your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Father, for all that you have done in our lives and all that you continue to do in our lives because you are a good, good Father, and your your mercies never end, and your love is everlasting, and we thank you for that, Lord. Father, I pray for the changed movement. I pray for Ken and Elizabeth. Uh, specifically, and and the group that they have that they have assembled, Lord, um, I pray, Father, that Your Holy Spirit would bring direction to their every move. I pray, Father, that they would have an attitude of, Lord, if You're not going ahead of us, we're not going. I pray, Father, that that You would direct their every step, that You would bring them wisdom and understanding, that You would be by your spirit, their mouthpiece. Lord, that they would say what you are saying, do what you are doing, respond how you are responding, from your heart, Father, and that you would provide to them everything they need in every situation, because you are our Jehovah Jireh. So Father, I bless the Change Movement, I bless Ken, I bless Elizabeth, I bless the team that they have have assembled. And Father, I bless what they are doing in the name of Jesus to accomplish all that you have for them to accomplish. Father, bring those into their midst whom you desire to see in their midst. And Father, if if there be anyone in their midst who is not part of whom you desire, that you would remove anyone whom you have not sent. Father, thank you for your constant love and your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. Amen. Yeah, do you mind if I pray over you? Please. <laughs> <laughs> so, Father, we lift up Daniel today. Lord, I just thank you that you have, uh, you have given him a lifetime of preparation for this season. And so, Lord, we just declare, we acknowledge that you are his armor. And Lord, I ask that you would, it would be you protecting his name. For the sake of your name, Jesus, let there be no reproach on, on Daniel, on his ministry, on his delight. Lord, we ask for your, your bold faithfulness over the development of this new network. Lord, every, every word of slander, every word curse, Lord, we, we just declare those are null and void. And, and Jesus, I just thank you that you are fighting this battle on his behalf. Yes, when we come against um, the, the scrutiny of culture, videos and films, like the one that he, he described, Lord, we just pray that you would stymie the, the plans of the enemy and, and raise up a movement, Father, that would declare your name over and above the, the culture war. And I just thank you for his faithfulness. I thank you for his tender heart. I bless his family, his marriage, his children. Lord, and I, and I just thank you that you are going to prosper him and his generations, his heritage, Lord, in you, in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you.
1: Yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, thank you, everybody who's watching. And, of course, we'll be back at this time uh, next Friday. And you can also, you'll be able to find this um, recording on our podcast. We now have a podcast on iTunes with every one of these Facebook live recordings. So thanks everybody for joining us.
0: Thank you, Elizabeth.
1: Thanks for listening. We're glad you joined us. For more content, visit changedmovement.com and follow us on social media. And
0: remember, changed is possible.